Kunisti, how are you? Welcome back to the Candle of Tales podcast. I'm sitting down here with my brother, Aaron. And I'm sitting down with my sister, Surika. And we're on the road. We're actually in my dad's office. And we are on the road telling the stories we built. And in the last episode, it was the first part of the Battle of Entry. And we took it live from the Kulturnan, thanks to Leo, the sound man, who was a sound man for recording it and not even telling us till the end. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And this is will be... This will be the concluding and second half. Uh, music again by Colin Farrell and Alan Homan because we didn't switch them out halfway through the live show because no. they were doing a really good job and Baron playing by Aaron and <laughs> in fairness if you did listen to that last episode you'll have heard where I genuinely lost my voice on stage I got you a did. frog so big in my throat that I'd look at Zurich and go no you have to keep talking and, and so there's and, a yeah. weird little awkward pause where she continues the bit that I was going to do anyway listen it's a live show <laughs> that's what you get in a live show we've also decided to do some things differently since that so it would be it was a different show when yeah. we did it in Paddy O'Shea's it's the nice thing somebody that asked us recently what's your favourite story and you're like you know what it's the one you're working on because you're kind of constantly seeing new ways into it and yeah we're, absolutely we're figuring bits out of it so so anyway. if you enjoy this if you want to support the podcast and our endeavours on taking these stories on the road and you, supporting the great Celtic festivals like Bealtaine and the next one will be Lunasa uh, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales or you can listen to this story just listen to the story and have a and know, enjoy it cup of tea oh and uh, we'll tell you a story there now so the Fianna had a break someone gave Fionn a cup of tea and he <clears throat> cleared his throat yep and he gathered the Fianna together and they had Fionn's base there on the sand dunes. And as he gathered them all together, he gave them the speech, that speech that they had heard before about using their strong limbs, their pure hearts, and having an action to match their words. This was the, with the code to join the Fianna. Nyart in our neg, glinnin in our gree. Glinna in our gree, nyart in our neg, bart. The rare or Some of us might have forgotten it a little bit in the first half, which is why we didn't say it then. And as he reminded them about having a pure heart, what it means to live life with purity in your heart, to always stand up for those who are fallen, who cannot fight, and to stand for the right truth and the great justice in facing even this unbeatable foe. And their strength they may not be able to use to win, but they'd use it in any way they could to slow this army down, to take as many of these demon cats and hellhounds with them as they could, because anyone that they kill will not be able to destroy the land behind them. And this action to match their words, the words they would always say, they said they would do it from the day they joined the fiend, to stand for what is true and what is free, to give people the choice to fight. And he asked them then, and he looked them in the eyes and he said, it is your choice today to fight with me, to go out now and face this army and give your lives to this white strand, to paint it red with your own blood because no one will be here to tell this story, to record it. Every one of us will die against this army, but we'll still do it because it is the right thing to do. And just before he gave the final signal for the armies to run down to their true destruction, a spear came flying over his head, whistling a strange sound, and at the tail of it whispered this amazing 
cloud that descended in a whole thick mist onto the bay. So deep and thick this mist, as soon as he put out his hand, it disappeared in the cloud in front of him. And a strange sound was heard, whipping and shrieking, and suddenly the whole mist, as quickly as it had landed onto the Bay of Entry, had disappeared, and not a single one of the catheads or dogheads were there. And they all looked around, the only one that was ashen-looking, white-faced and sombre was Fergus Fionnvale, who had the gift of seeing into the other world. And he said, it's lucky you are that you can't see what I can see, because what I am seeing before me is a battle that would honestly turn your stomach a bit. I don't think arms bend that way. Now, as Fergus wincingly described what he was seeing, it was a slaughter of the Tua de Danon against the catheads and the dogheads. In front of Fionn, one moment there was nobody, and the next moment, with no twinkling lights or shimmery music, just a blink between being not there and being there, was a tall, grim-faced warrior, beautiful in that the slightly eerie way that the other crowd are. And he handed a chest of weapons to Fionn McCool and he said, this is, this is us now. The rest of this fight is between mortal men and it's for mortals to settle and for mortals to decide. We've done our part. You take those weapons, you'll know when to use them. And tell Bran McFiel we'll be seeing him real soon. And with that, again, with the blink, he was gone. And Fergus was able to tell them when that battle ended. Now... They're done. Well, he wasn't very happy. Remember, he was the double D as the king of the world. That was the king of the world, Daradun. Now, he was pretty surprised mixture of ferocious very very angry frustrated and unable to show it because he was trying to keep his composure but suddenly he realised that now he was going to have to use this entire army that he had brought with him he was robbed of his undefeatable force and now diplomacy and tactics would have to be used to keep all of these kings and women kings together these armies that he brought together through fear and not giving them any choice to follow him and now we would have to use them tactically. He was still massively outnumbering the Fianna. He brought with him 30 factions. Yeah, they'd lost a few, but... The Fianna had seven. So he knew that if this was to be a war of attrition, then it was just a matter of numbers and he had the numbers. And so it might take a bit longer, but he was going to win. Now... That summer, there were many battles that we probably don't have time to get into. There's a few great ones, though. There were. I mean, the King of France was very easy to bring along in this war expedition because he didn't like Fionn McCool, because Fionn McCool had spent some time hiding from Cormac MacArthur over in France. So well did he get on there that, well, he ended up hooking up with the King of France's wife and daughter. And uh, 
The King of France really had a bit of a number against Fionn, definitely wanted to kill him. So he was happy to be there. And at one time he was on the shores with his army and well, Oscar came fighting one of the many, many feats. He was destroying a whole half of them with one blow. And when he saw the King of France coming towards him, his neck grew out of his head. He was so afraid of Oscar coming towards him. He was so howling in fear that his neck grew into the air and all around Vantry Bay, he began screaming so loudly that the Frenchman turned into wind. I didn't make it up. He's there, still howling away. There's a French voice down around Bentley yep. Bay howling. You'll hear the French accent in the wind from time to time. It's just a or little so they bit say. French. Sacre bleu. There were other great feats. Tashtaluk, the strong man of the Fianna, went up against the strong man of the army of the king of the world and found out that he was not as strong as the strong man of the army of the king of the world, but he was Irish. So he told the other fella, wait now till I bow down before you in acknowledgement of your greatness. And when the strong man of the king of the world said, all right, yeah, bow down before me, the Irish man tackled him around the knees, knocked him into the surf and held him under till he stopped wriggling. You know, Classic. proper, honorable Irish victory. Technically, <laughs> that a bit he of technically won. He technically Listen, won. Technical victory is the only kind that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this? as all of this summer wore on, the Fianna were showing themselves to be brilliant warriors. They were killing so many more than where they were being killed by. And at the end of every day, Gloss McDrowan and Con Crither were able to go back to the healing well of the Daughters of Tiber and restore themselves. But that didn't mean that the Fianna were walking it. That didn't mean that none of them were being injured or crippled or killed. They were. And time and numbers were not on their side. But knowing this, each day they woke up and they chose to spend their lives as dearly as they could against this army for as long as they could. Now Dara Dunn, the king of the world, everything had shifted for him. He didn't have the guarantee of the cat heads and the dog heads, and he knew when he went back to the east of the world, having inevitably won this war, which he was still inevitably going to win, he might have some rivals to contend with. There was a prophecy that the next king of the world would be a woman, and the warrior woman, Ulk Akka, was with him, and she was very powerful and didn't like him or really any men. So he brought his daughter Mish along with him to try and, you know, position her as an heir to the crown of the king of the world, but she didn't show, wasn't showing herself to be much of a fighter. Now, the other problem that he had was the, was the king of the marshes. The king of the marshes was Dollar Dorfa. That's the third one with a double D initial. That's confusing. So Dollar Dorfa was one of the nine sons of Garov. And I'm not sure what marshes he was king of, maybe all of them. All but of them, I think, yeah. All of them. The marshes. king of the marshes was Dalardorfa. And he had eight warrior brothers who were almost as brilliant as he. And Daradun didn't love that there was a powerful king who had eight warrior brothers because they were bound to Dalardorfa with bonds of not just fear and fealty and promises but true affection. And so he thought, might be a good idea to just neutralize that whole situation before the end of the war. 
So he called the nine sons of Garav to him and he said, I think it's time for, for you to, to weigh in. I think it's time for the eight of you to go out there and fight against the Fianna. Make a bit of a name for yourselves. And Dollar Dorfa, the king of the marshes, said, do you mean nine? Because there's nine of us. And the king of the world said, no. You stay here with me. Your brothers are going to go and fight. We're just going to watch. Now, Dollar Dorfa begged the king of the world to let him go with his brothers. He said the nine of them would be unstoppable. But he knew his brothers were not as ferocious as he. So he feared for them. But Daradun refused to let him go, would brook no debate or disagreement. And so Dollar Dorfa had to watch as his eight brothers going out against the Fianna fought ferociously, killed many, and then one by one were themselves slain. And then through gritted teeth, Dollar Dorfa, the king of the marshes, asked the king of the world, Daradun, for permission to take his revenge. And Daradun waited a moment before nodding his head. And Dollar Dorfa got lost. Spoke in a strange robot voice out of a small device. And then, after that, he went down onto the beach and he told the Fianna to send a hundred against him the following day. And they drew their lots. And all were willing, all chose to take this chance. And a hundred went out to face Duller Dorfa, who did away with them easily that day. And the next, the lots were chosen, but with more trepidation that time. And still, that following day, one hundred died with the hands of Duller Dorfa. And again, each time a hundred went out, they crashed and they died on Ventry Bay as Dollar Dorfa did away for them for killing his brothers. And as the days went by and weeks mingled in and the winter winds began whipping down through Ventry Bay and they were all feeling miserable and cold and deadlocked into this grit and atrocious war that would keep on going Clan Critter and Gloss McTrone saw many go and choose to take the short straws to face Tullerdorfa, knowing that they could be rejuvenated, but their friends and their allies could not. And then someone had left a hurley down and a slitter next to it. And Dullerdorfa, being a man of skill, was curious. He'd seen people playing it from the boat, and he was curious. And he picked up that hurley and he picked up the ball and just from seeing and watching and, well, spying on the Fianna for so long that he did, he began to play with the hurley and the slitter, pucking it up and down Ventry Bay and not many people play hurling on that beach, I can tell you, in Kerry, but... He was one of the only ones who set out such a display of hurling as he ran up and down after the ball he would hit such a huge distance he'd run as fast as he could and catch it and set out such feats and skill that nobody could match that skill they all knew this was a warrior with skill and grace compared to none they knew and Fionn even said it 
that night there's only three he knew and he knows everything after all he had burnt his thumb on that clever salmon so long ago he said there was two he knew of one was Lulaw's father the son daddy and the father of the other who could do that feat Ku Cullen he would have been able to do it on this strand and the third he said only imagine he sucked his thumb just to confirm what he said. The third is not born yet, but he'll be from the West. He'll be from Connacht. I like to think. Well, Galbert's still waiting for him. Now, now Dollar Dorfa's terrible revenge went on, and the year was beginning to turn. The wheel of the year turning towards Samhain, and the new year. So, as they believed it then. And it was at that time that a young man from Ulster arrived, a king's son. And he presented himself to the Fianna and he said he wanted to help, he and his 12 companions. And although Fionn very much valued his courage and admired their willingness, he said, you can't fight because you are 13 years old. But the young man, the king's son of Ulster, was so determined to fight, he would not let go of the idea. The Fianna had to tie him down to restrain him from going out and getting himself killed by Dollar Dorva. But his 12 companions slipped in with the lot of the 100, and it was 112 that day that Dollar Dorva killed. And when the young king's son saw his friends fall, he strained against his ropes and broke them and he ran out onto the strand after Dalladorfa, the strand that was no longer white but stained and speckled now with blood, red and brown and dark and bright. And as he ran against Dalladorfa, the sun set. They heard the sounds of fighting up and down the beach but couldn't see it so well. And the next day, as the sun rose, they saw two bodies twined together in the surf, where Dollar Dorva and the king's son of Ulster had drowned each other together in the waves. Now as his terrible vengeance finally came to an end, the winter set in in earnest. The Fianna could not leave, but neither could the king of the world do much. He had to batten down his hatches and wait for warmer weather. And still Khan and Glass watched on. And they knew this war of attrition was going on so long because there were fights and skirmishes, single combats, double singles, triple singles, and small bands fighting each other, but word had come to them that on the morning there would be one final fight an all-out battle on the strand. The king would release his entire might, the rest of those alive, to wipe out the Fianna once and for all. And so those seven factions, what were left of them, came back. And Con Crither and Glass McDrone, who had survived for so long and healed themselves, rejuvenating themselves each night, all of all those who had died already. 
and Fionn McCool. Well, he's preparing his next speech. Daradun had waited for the winter to break and the spring to come before declaring this battle. And he thought that the weather broke, but then it got bad again. And then he thought probably this is definitely spring, but then it got really stormy again for a while and tossed the ships. And then he said, all right, listen, I, this is actually t-shirt weather, but then the next day there was, a, there was a proper blizzard that battered into the sides of them. You can't be planning stuff in April. Like you this. can't be planning stuff in April, lads. Make, nothing make, outdoors, make nothing food. outdoors. So finally, eventually, day came. The battle was called. And on the white strand, the two forces met. Now this was a great fight. Fionn knew it would be a brilliant battle and he might survive it if he was tactical, if he sent the heroes of the Fianna to marshal from the right and the left to bring those centre through, straight through to finally face the king of the world. Dara Dunn was the one who he had to face and he knew it would be a tough challenge, but he would do it nonetheless. And he marshalled the great heroes, an Oscar of the many feats. He ran before the signal was even given because he was so bloodthirsty in fighting and wanting to fulfill all of the great promises he would give for this battle to come. Well, he knocked down a hundred men, thinking, well, we're all going to have to knock about that number if we're going to survive today. Quilty on ran after him to help him out, but... Well, Oscar threw him away, saying, Find your own hundred men to kill. I'll have no help off of you, you lanky fecker, yeah. And the Fianna were fighting furiously. And Fionn was marshalling and sending and organising. And there was troops coming back with the wounded, fallen dead. And he was looking now to his right-hand side instead in that chest where the two a day, those fey from the other crowd, had gifted him weapons of the other world made by some form of being that had magic through the veil and something inside his heart knew he would have to reach down to that power and not know what he would have to give back, but he would give it truly if he could save Ireland this day. But he did not know he needed it just yet until he saw Dara Dunn, the king of the world, finally enter the fray. And when he went striding forwards, he clattered men down and the sound of shrieking and death fell on the ground as men tried to cut him back, but every blade that landed on his skin seemed to fall or shatter apart. And Fionn couldn't believe this, for his sight was not sure. And then he saw a man with a heavy axe cleave the helm of the king of the world in two, but the blade stuck stop right on his skull. And he knew then this man had magic through and through on his skin. No blade by any mortal maid would pierce his skin. And he checked his thumb just to be sure. And he knew now was the time he'd have to take down that weapon from the other crowd. And as he reached in, he saw it was a spear gifted to him. And it crackled like the sound of thunder. And it wanted to be thrown. It wanted to be unleashed. But he had this and he held it back until he would be face to face with the king of the world. And he went ducking and weaving and jumping in between the battle as men were falling all around him. And the king of the world had a garrison around him. And when he knocked three men down, Dardon was face to face with him. And they fought furiously with that spear in his hand. It cracked 
for the sound of thunder. And when Dardon had an opening, well, Fionn McCool threw the great spear straight through the king of the world's head, knocking the crown straight down onto the sand. But still, the war kept going. The battle was not over. They saw their king dead, but someone else saw the crown, the king of the world lying there. And it was not over, not just yet. See, Gloss McDrowan, he never let go of that old habit of looking for the angle, looking for the way to make sure that he was ingratiated with the biggest bully in the field. What he saw was the crown of the king of the world and what he'd heard was that prophecy that the next king of the world would be a woman and the other thing he saw was the warrior woman, Ulk Akka, ten feet tall and strong as steel and so he ran over there and he picked up the crown and he handed it to her and he said, I'm Gloss, don't forget me. Ulkaka snatched that crown up and she shoved it onto her head. And she said, oh, it, listen, everybody now, because it is my time, it is our time. My mothers and my grandmothers, no more will they be beholden to men. They will rule men and men will kneel before us. And it is men who will fear women. It is men who will tremble in the darkness for fear of a woman lurking in the bushes. It is men who'll be barefoot in the kitchen. It is men who'll be walking home to their cars with their car keys stuck out between their knuckles for a bit of protection against the woman in the shadows. Let me tell you now, they'll suffer as as we have suffered. And so saying, she took up her sword and her spear and she charged at Fionn McCool. And Fionn, seeing her coming, his heart quailed within him. But his son, Fergus Fionn Vale, turned to him and said, Fionn, that is not the kind of man that you are. You have always been a father and a mentor to the men and the women of the Fianna. This woman is bringing poison to us all. And hearing his son's words, Fionn felt some strength come back to him. He mustered that energy that was dripping out of his limbs and he managed to pull himself up in full view of the Fianna who were watching Fionn McCool, their leader, fall. Now rising up blood stain and all, he picked up that spear and he went charging towards her and in the near close fight, as they were spinning around, he was outskilled, outmaneuvered, he was even outstrength and he still managed to find a gap to throw that spear straight through Olkaka. Without the magic of the other crowd, he would have never have done it. But he had that spear and she fell to the ground. And every one of the Fianna heard this sound and they knew this battle was going to be straight through and won. As they kept on fighting as the sun began to set on Ventry Bay, that white strand was no longer now white. It was red from all the fighting and the death and the destruction. And they say not a single person survived that day. Some say every single one of the king of the army that was brought to Ventry Bay died the day Fionn McCool threw the crown into the seas. There was one who survived a little longer. One of the king of the world's army. And he picked up the crown of the king of the world and he made his way running, wounded, desperate, 
to a single boat, to take it back with him to the east of the world where a new king could be crowned and come back to finish what Daradun had started. But one of the Fianna, one of the Fianna had been so wounded, his legs had been broken in the fight, but he called out to Glass MacDrowan and to Con Crither and he said, pick me up and put me into the waves. And so they carried him over their shoulders and they put him in the waves and he started to swim with his, just his arms, cutting through the water out towards that sole survivor of Dara Dunn's army, who leaned out of the boat, seeing someone coming towards him, thinking it a friend leaned out to pull him onto the boat. The man of the Fianna clasped his hands around his neck and dragged him down. And the two men, and the crown as well, sank beneath the waves without a trace. And that was the end of the Battle of Ventry. And the Fianna looked around them at the devastation. The sand was red, the surf was dark red. There were bodies and bits of bodies strewn across the beach. All of them who survived had seen horrors that they could not begin to think of and could not begin to describe. Khan and Glass still alive and so many dead before them. And it was not only they, but everyone left alive who began to wonder why they had survived and their friends had not. And in that moment, with the shock of the battle won, it didn't feel like a victory. They turned their eyes to Fionn Maku. And the setting sun, he told all of them, light the fires. They nodded. They pulled the wounded while the dead cleaned themselves with salty water as much as they could. They sat around the fires that night and Fionn reminded them all that although many had fallen, the veil was thin they may share a drink tonight and be joined by the fire when the veil is this thin he said those fallen join us around the fire and we remember them and we join in the celebration for the light half of the year with them in our presence and them in our stories and them in our hearts and with cleanness of heart Glennon Strength in our limb, and in our neck, and actions to match our words. Part or air or mayor, we will see in the summer as it begins. And so the Fianna celebrated their Bealtaine. The the end. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming out tonight, folks. My name is Surika. This is my brother, Aaron. And we were joined on uh, stage by uh, Cullum Holman and, uh, sorry, 
Jesus, Alan Holman and uh, <laughs> oh my God, Colin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, thank you very much, lads. You. <laughs> And thank you all for coming out and thank you for having us here at the Culturlin. We're delighted to be here and I hope you enjoyed and good night. And we're Candlelit Tales, if anyone wants to look us up. Candlelit Tales. Thanks so much. Have a great night. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with any questions, requests or comments, leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line. And we especially appreciate you listening.